Today, though, this morning, we are talking about time. That's our topic. How do you feel about your time and how you manage it? Do you do a good job? Do you feel like you have enough time? Would you like to make better use of your time? That's what we're talking about this morning. So let's give our attention to the reading of God's Word. A reading from Ephesians chapter 5. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Pray with me. God, we're grateful for your word, and we ask, as always, that you would accompany our hearing of it uh, with your spirit, and that uh, your spirit would apply this uh, truth to our hearts, that we would learn here what it looks like to redeem the time and to be filled with your Spirit. And we ask that uh, going from here, filled with your Spirit, we would go and bring uh, good news and love and blessing uh, to the world around us. Uh, do this through Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. I'm going to start the sermon in a fairly unconventional way this morning. I have written you all a letter. Let me read it to you. Dear South Bay family, It is 12.49 on Friday afternoon, January 25th, and I do not yet have an introduction for my sermon this Sunday, (laughs) dealing with time, so this letter will have to do. You see, generally by the end of the day, Friday, I'm supposed to have my introduction and first point written out, so that on Saturday, I only have to give three or four hours of work to get a full rough draft done, so that early Sunday morning, I can start editing. My girls will be home in two hours. I have two hours to get my introduction and first point finished, whereas right now, there is very little. You see, for the last five nights, I've been out working, and Friday is family night, so I need to not be working when the girls get home. Instead, I need to make homemade tomato sauce for our pasta dinner and watch the movie Little Women, the 1994 version with Winona Ryder and Claire Danes. I need to watch that for the fourth time and be happily engaged in it though I will be fighting against thinking about this sermon. I should be further along by now. Why am I in this position? There are all kinds of good excuses. People to care for, staff culture to build, offices to move, upcoming sermons that are more stressful and weighing on me. I look back at my calendar for this past week. Did I use my time wisely? Did I fritter it away? Could I have been more efficient? Tick-tock, it's 1255. If I don't use my time well and get productive over the next two hours, then either my girls will suffer a disengaged father, or I will suffer a few sleepless nights, or you will suffer through a bad sermon. And that would be a waste of time. Hopefully this letter does the trick. Your pastor, Bob. Now, I I read this to you not to elicit sympathy or to impress you. I write it because I think nearly all of you can relate We are obsessed with managing and maximizing our time. Or we feel crushed by our apparent lack of time or inability to manage it well. 
So perhaps it's no surprise that Paul writes here to these Ephesian churches that they are to make the best use of their time. Whether it's about term papers or work projects, relationships or vacation, resting, recreating, chores, it often feels like a losing battle to make the most of our time. And the fact that it's not just our culture, but it's the Bible telling us to make the best use of our time can only add to the pressure and anxiety of time management. So that's how we're going to look at this passage today. Another way to translate this phrase here, make the best use of, is to buy back. It's actually one word. The Bible uses it for redeem. Paul is saying here, we are to redeem the time. Wouldn't that be awesome? To redeem our time. Buy it back. Making the best use of it. How can that become a joy and freeing rather than just one more task to add to the long list of to-dos. We'll see it here. Three things. We need to recognize that the days are evil, understand what God's will is, and be filled with the Spirit. So first, recognizing the days are evil. Look at verse 15 with me. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time Because the days are evil, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Paul is saying, pay close attention to how you live, the details of your life. Because the days are evil, and it's easy to get caught up in them. It's easy to live foolishly. And so we discussed how the days are evil at length when we were going through chapter 2. But one of the ways our days are evil, our age is evil, is entropy. You remember entropy from science class. Everything tends to disorder. This is just the reality of things. Left to itself, everything falls apart. All that we build crumbles. Our plans fall through. Weeds keep coming back. In fact, current science suggests there is this massive force in the universe called dark energy that's pushing everything apart. Things fall apart and then they accelerate away from each other. And this will continue for billions of years until one day every atom in the universe will be pulled apart and there will be nothing left. That's the future of a closed universe. But back to today, we have to spend a lot of time and energy just on maintaining what has been built and organized. And no matter what we do as victims of entropy, we are falling apart. Our bodies are dying. And this is one of the primary ways that our days are evil. The Bible is unequivocal about this. Death is evil and not the way things are supposed to be. But here we are, living in a world where everything dies, including us. And that messes with the way that we think about time. Death means our absolute time is severely limited. It's capped. Time is a great leveler across humanity. Outside of really risky behaviors and communities, most human beings, regardless of their wealth or emotional intelligence or education, have about 80 years of life. Younger generations, maybe we'll get to 90. We can easily get more wealth or beauty or status than the next person, but we don't really get more absolute time, which is why time is far more valuable than money, around here at least. Anything that wastes our time, therefore, is evil. Wasting money is inconvenient and annoying. Wasting time is evil. And this is why traffic 
feels evil, right? Imagine you have to go somewhere and you check the, the map on your phone. And you pull it up and you see red lines everywhere on all the roads, right? That means there's lots of traffic. And on Apple Maps, I've noticed that there's red and then there is maroon red. That is suggesting not just heavy traffic, but complete standstill. And I might be wrong, but it even appears that the maroon lines on Apple Maps are actually pulsing, right? Like the rage inside of me, it's pulsing. And so when you pull up that map and you see that red and the maroon lines pulsating, there's actually a word flashing across the screen that's not really there, but it's in your mind and it's saying evil, 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 evil. Whatever wastes our time is evil. And our limited time and need to use it well is always lurking over our shoulder. I think it can really mess with parents. You know your kids will never be this age again. Literally, this is the only day they are 10 years, 3 months, and 4 days old, whatever it might be. This moment is never coming back. What are you going to do with it? You're going to make something of it? Or are you going to waste it? Your kid better be having fun or learning something right now. Vacations can even be worse, right? You better have fun. This moment is never coming back. And if you waste it, well, they won't go to college. You won't see your grandkids and they won't visit you in your assisted living home when you're old. Or you see what limited time can do to make parents neurotic. And what about all those previously wasted moments as a parent with your kids? What do you do about those? We put so much pressure on our time use, managing our calendars and squeezing so much into it, finally we're exhausted and we realize we need a vacation. But we come back from our vacation exhausted because since time was limited, we had to do as much as we possibly could. A few years ago, a single friend of mine was taking a six-month sabbatical from work. We met up for lunch and he was telling me all the things he was doing, all his adventures and spending time with people. Then he said, I've been so busy, I think I need a break. He was on sabbatical. He needed a break from his break. Right? That's how we do things. This place, Silicon Valley, it's all about time. Making the most of it, redeeming it. The industry here is about saving time and labor. That's what technology is. Fire is a labor and time-saving technology. So you'd think with all the advances over the last few decades, all the wealth and intelligence gathered here, that we would be awash in free time. All that time and labor saved. But we feel as pressed for time as any population in history. We don't get done everything we need to get done at work. We don't have enough time for friends. We don't have enough time for family. We don't have enough time for rest, for recreation, for reading, for sleeping for eating, for physical intimacy. With all our technology, we should be able to do all of these with time to spare, but we can't. Not because Silicon Valley is evil or technology is evil, but because the days are evil. There are forces out there and forces inside of us that create a fundamental insecurity about time. We live unhealthy lives and we don't treat each, other's, each other well because of it. The reality is that the days are evil, but deeper than that, we forget and we don't know what God's will is 
That's what Paul says. Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Verse 17. We've spoken about this just recently. We can tend to think that Paul here is saying that somehow we are supposed to divine what God wants us to do in any given situation. So with our time, there's one optimal choice and thousands of suboptimal choices. Now, if you face your day like that, you will become a basket case. Instead, what many people do is admit they can't figure out God's specific will this day, so they have to do what they want. And of course, we'll all try to be nice and caring for others. But with so little time, we have to prioritize. We can't put up with hassles or needy people or calls to sacrificial service or even really knowing our neighbors. There's just too much to do and too little time. But when Paul says, make the most of your time, redeem the time, he isn't saying to figure out the one optimal thing to do and relentlessly prioritize that. He's telling us to bring the reality of God's eternal love and eternal life into our day, into our moment. What is the business God is in? Redeeming things. Rescuing things. Redeeming us from death and judgment. Redeeming the universe from decay. It's not just that one day God will comfort his people, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. But presently, he is using all things in the life of his people to shape them into eternally glorious creatures. Everything is redeemed or can be used for redemptive purposes. So because God is eternal and extends to us eternal life, he redeems our time. Death does not cap or limit our time. God redeems our time. And he does this through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Out of the absurdity and tragedy of the cross comes eternal life for us. That's why Paul can say, in light of the resurrection, nothing we do in the Lord is done in vain. Resurrection makes everything possible. Every moment redeemable. That's the Lord's will. Do we understand it? I have a good buddy. He's a member up in Palo Alto at Grace Silicon Valley. He's worked for Apple, Tesla, Google. Many of us regularly use products he's personally designed and built. But I was his teacher at a Christian high school. And back then, he was a a bad boy. Like burglary and going to juvie, bad boy. Breaking his parents' hearts, bad boy. Baggy pants, I don't care about authority, bad boy. Getting kicked out of school after school, kind of bad boy. And after verbally threatening another student at our school... Our principal asked him why he should be allowed to stay, and all he could say was, I've got nowhere else to go. This, his last year, as a senior in high school, he came to faith, and he gave a farewell talk to the whole student body, 700 kids or so, and to so many of these kids who were tired of hearing about Jesus from good little Bob Crossland, he got up and he talked about his broken heart and the ways he had broken others' hearts. And then he said this, The prophet Joel talks about a locust invasion. Wave after wave of locusts come and devour every plant in Judah because of Judah's sin. They are ruined. But later God says this through Joel. I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army which I sent among you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never again be put to shame. His only hope was God redeeming his wasted time and choices. 
If God redeems us from our sin, he also redeems our time. I will restore to you the years, God says. That's his will. All that has been taken from you, all that you destroyed, all the moments you've wasted, all the joy that has passed you by and you'll never get to experience, it will be restored to you at the coming of Jesus and his kingdom. That's his will, to redeem the evil days. Perhaps that sounds just too far-fetched. But it's by accepting this redemption that eternity has broken into history that you can actually live in the moment and redeem the time. And that's what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit. Look at verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The way we walk wisely, redeeming the time, is by continually being filled in, with, or by the Spirit. The exact translation and explanation isn't so important. Elsewhere we read how we are to walk by or in the Spirit. It's the same idea. And surprisingly, it's contrasted with getting drunk. Why? Well, Paul says here that the problem with getting drunk is it leads to debauchery. But another way to translate that word is dissipation. Getting drunk leads to dissipation, which makes more sense given the context. Getting drunk, losing control to alcohol, alcohol is a waste of time and resources. It dissipates us. And usually if you're doing that, you're saying that my time and opportunities don't matter much. Abusing alcohol is an escape either from heavy pressure or from sadness or from boredom. Either way, it's a time waste, not a time redeemer. It dissipates the time. It's like pushing the fast-forward button on your DVR to your time. Time just flies away. But we do other things to dissipate time, don't we? We take out our phones, or we go shopping, or we turn on Netflix, or we get on Facebook or we eat, or exercise, whatever. All of these can be dissipation. Ways of wasting and not valuing time. Ways of passing the time and pressing fast forward on it. But on the other hand, you can actually celebrate with friends with alcohol filled with the Spirit, or you can watch Netflix filled with the Spirit, or be on Facebook filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit is not doing something spiritual to get your energy power up like uh, in a video game. And it's not simply uh, more work or doing a certain set of things and not doing a certain set of things. Every follower of Jesus, everyone united to him by faith, is filled with the Spirit. Now, do we choose to recognize that and walk with him? Being filled with the Spirit elsewhere in the Bible usually signifies being especially empowered to do what God calls you to do. So this is about how we are consciously living. Not that you are always doing the optimal thing, but that whatever you are doing, you are doing in the hope and knowledge that God is at work to redeem this time and to redeem the things in front of you. It's living with an awareness of the gospel opportunities around you. That's being filled with the Spirit. That's how you redeem the time. Some of us don't struggle with dissipation so much. 
We struggle with over-productivity and over-efficiency. We might cling to our time, squeezing every last drop out of it to accomplish what we want, even with ministry. And that's not being filled with the Spirit. God commands us to stop working every seven days and to rest. That's not efficient. God commands us to come together and worship, singing and praying and spending time together. That's not efficient. This is not efficient. And as Stephen has said to me more than once, efficiency was not included on the list of the fruit of the Spirit. In worship and godly rest, we resist slavery to time and to entropy and to death. And we declare that God is victorious over them. These are some of the ways to remain filled with the Spirit. We rest, worship, take the sacrament, praying various times regularly during the day, fasting, meditating on Scripture, singing and making melody to God in our hearts, and giving thanks. It comes up again here, verse 20. Right, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is one of the ways I try to remain in the Spirit, being filled by the Spirit. And I repeat this mantra that comes up throughout the Old Testament, this phrase, all things. Right, Jesus is head over all things. All things will be reconciled to God through him. All things, all authority has been given to him. But in Romans 8, it says that God is using all things to conform us to the image of his Son. So when things are not going smoothly for me, I start softly repeating to myself, all things, all things. I'm giving thanks that in all things, God is conforming me into Jesus' image. We were up skiing at Sugar Bowl uh, two years ago, staying at my parents' an hour away. And uh, we stayed late into the day at Sugar Bowl, so we were leaving at the same time many others were. And I was anxious to get on to 80 West to get back to my parents. It had been snowing that day, and I was assuming there would be traffic. So I'm in the parking lot at the lodge waiting for Aaron and the girls. Maybe some of you have been in a similar situation, waiting for your spouse or your kids longer than you thought you should be. And as the minutes ticked by, I was watching on my phone the red lines start to grow on I-80 West. It was getting Longer and longer. And I start saying, all things, all things, right? Finally, the girls come out and we get in the car and we start going and it's looking like there's traffic. All things, all things. We get on 80 and we don't get very far and we come to a complete stop. Literally stopped for 10 minutes and finally everyone just turns their car off. Highway's closed. All things. But here's the thing, because I was preparing myself for that and I was trying to be thankful, we actually had a great time. We were listening to the Moana soundtrack, we were singing, we were talking, we got out on the highway, walking around. It was actually a great time. And after a little while, the highway we reopened and we got home late and we were a little bit cold, but it was great. The traffic didn't ruin my day or time, and it would have ruined my family's day or time if that had happened. In fact, being filled with the Spirit, remembering God's eternal work, led me to redeem the time to make the best use of it. I wish I had more stories like that. Traffic doesn't have to enrage you if you know that your time isn't so constricted by death. Crazy enough, this is actually illustrated in the Bill Murray movie Groundhog Day which is actually coming up, right, next, next Saturday is Groundhog Day. 
You might remember the film from the early 90s. Bill Murray is a jerk of a weatherman stuck in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania to cover Groundhog Day, which is next weekend, as I said. And he literally gets stuck there, waking up every day, the same day, Groundhog Day, thousands of times. And when you live the same day over and over again, you can learn to manipulate people and serve yourself. And that's how he starts. But he does it so many times, he sees the futility and loneliness and self-centeredness. He gets depressed and he tries to kill himself. But of course, that doesn't work. So he tries killing himself over and over again. And no matter what, he keeps waking up in the morning of Groundhog Day. And he finally starts to change when he realizes his condition is fixed. This is what he tells his love interest at a diner. I didn't just survive a car wreck. I wasn't just blown up yesterday. I have been stabbed, shot, poisoned, frozen, hung, electrocuted, and burned. Every morning I wake up fine, not a dent in the fender. I am immortal. And later he says, I've killed myself so many times, I don't even exist anymore. See, once he recognizes he's immortal, he begins to see the town as his to serve. He wants no one dying No one choking. No one breaking a leg. This day, he has already died. There's no agenda of his left to serve. So this day can be about serving others. If you've already died, time is relativized. And that's what it is to be filled with the Spirit. He is the Spirit of the resurrected Jesus, who has already died to these evil days. And as you live and walk in him, you realize you have already died to these evil days too. You are dead and your life is hidden in Christ. Your agenda, your status, your glory, your comfort, they're gone or they're not very powerful anymore. Instead, there is joy in serving others. So what would it look like for you? How would your moments change if you were living in, walking by the Spirit? How would that affect your calendar, your work, your interactions? Look at Jesus, right? We see this in him. You watch him in the Gospels. He's very self-assured, very self-aware. He knows what he's doing and he seems to have a general itinerary. But in the moments, he comes off as incredibly flexible. And more than that, he always has time for people. Even when he's going to heal someone on their deathbed, he has time for others. When he was busy, when he had an agenda, when he was tired, when he was hungry or sad, he always had time for people. See, we think that things that waste our time are evil. Maybe even people who waste our time are evil. That's how we might think about other drivers in traffic. But what Jesus shows us is, what is evil is treating people like wastes of time. Treating people like wastes of time is what is evil. We all need a certain amount of rest and some boundaries in order to live out our calling, but too often we use self-care and boundaries as convenient excuses to walk away from messy people and messy situations. Jesus never did that. You don't have to either. People are more important than time. We redeem time by giving someone the dignity of our time. You do that by being filled with Jesus' eternal spirit, through whom you have died to the world and the world has died to you. A veteran pastor in our presbytery, Rod, told us this story at a meeting last spring. 
He had just spent the previous day with his old friend in, in Sacramento. Neither live in Sacramento, but Rod's buddy called and said he'd be there and wanted to hang out and catch up. And it was a, a tough thing for Rod to make. He was busy being a pastor. He almost bailed, but he did in the end end up seeing his friend. And he spent much of the day together, talking, eating, catching up. It was so refreshing for Rod. He got to talk about his family, the stress of pastoring, hopes for the future. He really felt cared for. And at the end of their time together, Rod's friend tells him that he has late-stage cancer and no more than two years left maximum. He could have used cancer as leverage to get Rod to show up. He could have made that day about cancer and about facing his own death, getting Rod to serve him. This guy had no more than 700 days left on earth. And he used one of his last days to connect with and care for an old friend. That's what you can do when time and death, these evil days, no longer have power over you. Filled with the Spirit, you can make the most of every moment. That's God's will using all things to redeem you and your time. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that you are in the business of redeeming us and redeeming our time and that you give us your spirit, your eternal spirit of resurrected Lord Jesus that we might live already into eternity, making every moment meaningful. We are grateful that you give us this opportunity. We ask that you would open our eyes to it We ask that you would help us to turn away from these evil days, this present evil age, which seems to suck the life out of us, and instead remember that we are filled with your life, your spirit, and that we can bring blessing and life and good news and eternity to those around us through your spirit because of your grace. Please do this among us now. Make us a people who make the most of our time filled with your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.